it is very moving to see everyone, everyone who is so passionate to to march and strike, people of all ages, all generations. Climate strike season is upon us. So let's discuss two upcoming opportunities for you to get out, demonstrate on behalf of the planet, and play a role in making history. Hello, my name is Art Lightstone, and this is Green Neighbor, a podcast that explores climate change, helps people make sense of the conflicting messages they hear about climate change, and outlines ideas about how we can all take meaningful action on climate and hopefully stave off the worst impacts of global warming. It would be difficult not to notice the many stories in the media and on social media about the myriad of forest fires currently burning in Canada, in the U.S., and around the world. I'm looking right now at the most current data regarding Canada's active forest fires, and we can see that reported from Natural Resources Canada. I see that there were 5,971 fires reported as of August 25th, 2021. And that is 19% more than the 10-year average of 5,013 fires that we usually see as of this date. More concerning still is the fact that the area burned so far this year is 4,124,722 hectares, and that is 70% more than the 10-year average. Layer on top of this, the record-breaking heat waves that we've seen across Canada, the number of heat-related deaths we've seen in Canada, which we see reported at just over 800 from British Columbia alone after their record-setting heat wave this past June. Add into the mix the recent IPCC Assessment Report 6 that was just released on August 9th. With its unreserved assessment of the grim situation the planet now finds itself in. And then, finally, add in the snap election that was called on August 15th in Canada, which will bring Canadians to the election polls on September 20th. And you have the background for this year's climate strikes. I refer to the climate strikes as an annual event because, for a number of reasons, ranging from the timing of past climate summits, past elections, the beginning of the school year, Greta Thunberg's Fridays for Future School Strikes, the 350 organization's global climate strikes, and, well, September has become the month where we have seen global climate strikes over the past few years. Now this year, in Canada, we will actually have two large climate demonstrations in September, one being a national day of action designed to ensure that the issue of climate change figures prominently in our rather short federal election campaign, and the other being the global climate strike that will take place about two weeks later all over the world. Now I'm going to tell you about each of these strikes in turn, 
so that you can learn a bit more about them and discover how you can get involved and support these incredibly important demonstrations. I'm going to start with the global climate strike. This is a strike heavily promoted by two rather large climate organizations, the Fridays for Future organization and the 350 organization. Both international organizations. Fridays for Future is a movement that was started by Greta Thunberg back in 2018 when she decided to strike from school in her home country of Sweden, leading up to a national election in that country on that year. Greta and her fellow strikers decided to strike from school every Friday until Sweden's policies provided a pathway well under 2 degrees Celsius, in line with the Paris Agreement. Greta and her cadre of woke, articulate, tech-savvy climate activists created the hashtag Fridays for Future, and they encouraged young people all over the world to join them. And this marked the beginning of the global climate strike. Now, the 350 organization, which developed the global rise for climate strikes back in September of 2018, got behind the Fridays for Future campaign, and now we have a global climate strike every year on a Friday near the end of September. This year's global climate strike is on Friday, September 24th. And on that date, hundreds of thousands of students all over the world will be taking to the streets to make sure that political leaders understand that policies of subsidizing, promoting, and propping up the oil industry are not in line with what the planet needs or with what the people want. You can and probably should get involved with a local global climate strike by looking at the global map of local actions on fridaysforfuture.org or globalclimatestrike.net. On the day that I was checking out these sites in preparation for this podcast, however, the interactive map of global climate strikes on globalclimatestrike.net seemed to be down. But the Fridays for Future map seem to be working just fine. The other strike I want to tell you about is the Canada on Fire National Day of Action, hosted by 350 Canada. This is a series of strikes across Canada that will be taking place on September 8th, which is the same day as the French leaders' debate and the day before the English leaders' debate in our federal election. You can support a local action by going to 350.org slash still dash on dash fire and signing up for one of the almost 50 different local climate strikes that were on the map when I was looking at it earlier tonight or registering your own climate strike if you find that there isn't a demonstration being organized in your community. I, for one, took a look at the map and decided, along with my comrade-in-arms, Monica, shout out to Monica, 
to organize an action in my hometown of Newmarket. If you happen to be residing or working in the northern part of the GTA, I hope you'll consider joining us for a rather ambitious climate action in the town of Newmarket. You will find a link to that action in the 350.org still on fire map or in the show notes of this podcast. Now, another thing I want to talk to you about today is why you should make the effort, in some cases make the sacrifice, to actually join a local climate strike, either on September 8th if you're in Canada or on September 24th, regardless of where you might live in the world. I know we're all busy. And I understand that some of us are busier than others. I get that. But if you're listening to this podcast, then you are probably aware of the situation that we are in as a species, as a civilization that happens to be residing on this planet at this point in time. I really find I have to resist laying out the details of our predicament and all of the technical metrics and measurements and pathways delineated in the most recent IPCC report or in the 2018 interim IPCC report. Suffice to say, our situation is pretty grim. But that doesn't mean we should just sit back, give up, and do nothing. In fact, I would liken our predicament to that of a group of friends paddling along a calm, serene river on a beautiful summer day. The sun is shining, a mild breeze is blowing, birds are chirping, and the water is gently lapping against the canoe. When you start to hear a faint sound of wind or rustling in the distance, The sound grows louder and turns into more of a rumbling. You can't see it, but you start to realize that it's the sound of a waterfall. You stop paddling so you can focus and listen. You notice the sound is growing louder. And you see that there's an area of the river in the distance that you can't seem to see over. You also observe that your canoe is continuing to be pulled toward that mysterious precipice in the distance, even though you're no longer paddling. You realize to your dismay that you are headed towards a waterfall, and if you go over it, you just can't know what will become of you. Now in this situation, ask yourself, what would any reasonable person do? Would they ignore their predicament and just keep paddling forward? No way. Would they sit there and just monitor the situation for a few more minutes as they got pulled towards the waterfall? Not likely. Would they feel overwhelmed and decide to just lie back and do nothing? Not a chance. No, you and I know what anyone would do in this situation. 
they would stick their paddles back in the water and start paddling for dear life, either making for shore if they were close enough or paddling in the opposite direction of the waterfall. They would give it everything they had because they would know that every second they waited would make this difficult, dangerous situation all the more difficult and dangerous. That's what anyone would do. So why then are we not giving everything we've got to fight climate change? After all, according to the IPCC, we've got eight years to reduce global carbon emissions by 45% to avoid falling over a precipice that will take this entire planet on a path of irreversible, escalating global warming. A path that seems to be pulling us towards the edge at a rate that is constantly faster than previously predicted. Everything that you know and love depends on keeping us from falling over that edge. So how are we going to dig in and paddle for dear life? Well, I'll certainly make one suggestion. Make a climate strike sign and sign up for a climate strike this September and then go to it. Hell or high water, you go to it. And you make sure that your politicians cannot ignore the will of their citizens. Today's Analytical Tools and Resources The Analytical Tools and Resources portion of the Green Neighbor podcast is meant to help you navigate the contradictory information you hear about climate change so you can take a more active, critical, and analytical response to the climate crisis. Today's analytical tool is forest fire trackers. Most countries now provide fairly comprehensive forest fire updates online. In my country, Natural Resources Canada provides an online national wildlife fire situation report and it shows the number of fires burning, the total area burned, and it compares those numbers to the previous 10-year average. You can find that website at https colon forward slash forward slash cwfis dot cfs dot nrcan dot gc dot ca forward slash report. That's a pretty long, confusing URL, so I will definitely put that in the show notes of this podcast. In the United States, the National Interagency Fire Center maintains a website at www.nifc.gov. That site provides current reports, maps, and statistics on the state of all wildfires in the U.S. at any point in time. 
I should point out, however, that statistics on U.S. wildfires did not start to get collected until 1983. I'll provide links to these Canadian and American wildfire information sites in the show notes of this podcast. Taking action. In every episode of this podcast, I try to suggest at least a couple of ways that you can take action on climate today. For today's episode, my first suggestion is to join a local climate organization. There are many types, styles, and even brands of climate organizations active in the world today, and some of them are probably active in your local area. These organizations include Drawdown, Extinction Rebellion, the 350 Organization, Green Pack, the Climate Reality Project, Environmental Defense, Lead Now, and many more. Some organizations take a very local approach. Some take a more global approach. Some are geared towards demonstrating, while others are geared towards taking individual action. So look around on the web to see what organizations are active in your area, sign up for their email list, and start getting involved in their actions and events. I'm suggesting this because there is indeed strength in numbers. And when enough people get involved in support of an organized climate action, it can send a very loud message to both governments and businesses. Sadly, the opposite is also true. When we see small groups of people turning out for climate actions, whether it be a letter-writing campaign, a, a demonstration, or even a meeting, it invariably sends the opposite message from the one that we would like. It says, well, I guess nobody really needs to do anything about climate change because not too many people are very concerned about it. So make sure that you are not a member of a silent majority. One way or another, please do what you can to make sure that your voice is constantly being heard when it comes to your concern about climate change. Look, the bottom line is this. If you don't stand up for the future of our planet, then who will? Okay, here's another rather simple, somewhat pragmatic idea. If you have a gas fireplace in your home, turn off the pilot light, especially in the summertime. You can generally do this by flipping open the grate at the bottom of the fireplace. You'll find that grate is probably hinged. If you open it up and look inside, you'll invariably see a switch or knob that allows you to turn off your pilot light. Do that and you'll stop burning methane 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and you'll stop producing heat and you'll save a little money at the same time. Well, that will conclude this episode of Green Neighbor. I hope you've learned a few things, gained some insights, and picked up an idea or two that you can start using today 
to take action on climate change. For more ideas on how to act on climate, please visit the Green Neighbor website at www.green-neighbor.com. And I'll point out that neighbor is spelled the Canadian way. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, please drop me a line over email or social media. You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. I'm Art Lightstone, your green neighbor, asking you to take good care.